So let's everybody warm up, get to it. Hello, hello. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Seeker. Season 2 is Mercy and Fire. We're going to discuss eight specific verses that walk us down the path to salvation. Our hope is that we can show how simple the plan really is to understand. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Alright, Daniel, where are we at tonight? What? Let's recenter. <laughs> where are we at tonight? Billy D. We got eight verses. Eight verses overall. We're well into it at this point. Boom, where are we at? We're in... Did you take the laces out of those bad boys? Or they no, I, I bought my shoes without laces. They're, they're actually more of a slipper converse. Look at the bottom, it's like... Those are the ones well, that have the elastic, right? I have well, a pair like that. Do you have that pair? Yeah. This used to be like felt all like around here. It's kind of like a fuzzy... I think they're more like house slipper converse. Dude, I don't know how you keep your shoes from wearing out. Like, you've come back-to-back weeks with shoes. <laughs> back from the day. What do you mean? What are you doing to your shoes? Oh, man, I wear right through shoes in a year. My shoes have a year lifespan. How? That's it. I think I've had these for, like, five years. Let's look at, at the least. bottom of these bad boys. They don't have much longer. More. Yeah, look at that. I'm going to I'm gonna tear through that and not even have a shoe and give, give me a month. What are you give doing to your shoes? I'm just walking, man. <laughs> He's <laughs> a bad walker, yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I know, man. I almost lost Jesse my hates us. Oh, I'm glad it didn't come on my nose. <clears throat> Second Corinthians. Yes, yeah, Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse fifteen. Verse number fifteen. Yes, sir. He died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Cool, I guess that sums it up. Yeah, done. Roll the music. Yeah, just the outro over the top. Well, wait, because remember where we were last time, right? We were in Romans 5. Mm-hmm. Romans 5 and verse 8. Which said, if you recall... Oh, right, that while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. So, we go to 2 Corinthians. This says that he died for all. Mm-hmm. Right, all who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right, which that is everyone. That's everyone. Yes. Right, that's everybody. He died for everyone. So, like, because they, there's a reason for that. Right, we're going to find that out. There's a reason he died for everyone. That those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So there's a lot in this verse that we mm-hmm. need to talk about. And it goes back to Romans 5, that he died for us. He died for everyone. And because of that, because he died for everyone who was still in sin, who was still deserving of the wages of that sin, which is death, Mm -hmm. that once you accept that, that he died for you while you were still in your sin, that you could be redeemed from that sin, then you now have a responsibility. And that is to live, to live for him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
who died for them and then rose again. You live for him in his new life, in your new life. So that's why I threw this verse in here, because it dovetails very nicely with Romans 5, and then it'll take us into... Yeah, it seems like it's like the counterpoint to that. You know, it's Christ died for us. Now, basically, we, we, you know, we need to, you know, we also died, right? That's what it says in the verse before that. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. So Christ took care of what needed to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And so now we're going to live for him because we have another crack at it, right? So, right. so that's, that's what we got to do. Christ died for us, and so now we got to uh, live for him. That's a pretty deep thought when you think about it. I mean, what does that mean? It really is. There's a lot behind that statement. There's a lot that goes into that. Oh, yeah. I mean, is living for him just trying to be a good person, you know, and trying to do, just trying to do what he says? Or, like, how, what, you know, what all does that encompass? Well, when you say just trying to do what he says. Right. You know, obedience to the will of God. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have a hard time putting just in front of that. Right? Well, I say it in a way that's kind of like some, some what I, I guess what I meant was some people would just say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And that's kind of where it stops. They, you know, you know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah. Okay, gotcha. they say, you know, they, they just say they're Christians essentially, yeah. but there, there's not more meat in it than that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not something you can just paint with a, a, a just an, an easy paint by numbers kind of a thing and call yourself good, right? Right. I mean, there's like that's what you're saying, Daniel. So there's a whole layer of complexity of what what a life looks like that's living for Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It goes a lot deeper than Sunday mornings. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sunday mornings is just like a byproduct of living a Christian life. You're right. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. and that's the perfect yeah. way to phrase that. That's absolutely right. That's good. Julian, Get on that. Julian's Do some more of that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I burned all mine out before we started recording. Blew myself out. That's true. Just everything That's true. I had. There is quite a bit going on. <laughs> it does go back. You know, it goes back to what Jesus said in the Gospels. You know, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. I mean, he makes it clear that he is the only way for salvation. Following him is the only way. I know we talked about him um obedience in Matthew chapter 7 and and what the father is really looking for is someone who follows his commandments and that's the only person he's going to know um, in judgment and he's got to know you before you're getting in um, but I do agree maybe we should chat on this a while longer about mm-hmm. what it really means because or just kind of face value saying I'm a Christian or face value just saying I believe or right. something like that because that's mm-hmm. It is a very deep subject, and I think a lot of people right here would say, yeah, I live for Jesus, or I live for the Lord, totally. What does that mean? And <clears throat> we'll just start with the basics. Like, it, it, is it really, is it easy to live for the Lord having never really even popped this book open, you know? Right. Right. Basic. Yeah. But Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. What are they? Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know? so, like, so that seems like, a you know, if you don't pop your Bible open, you might not ever hear that, right? Unless, you know, someone happened to tell you that or preached it and you heard it and actually internalized it, right? But once you're aware of that verse, then suddenly, okay, wow, 
now I, I have to open this thing up and I have to read what what were what were the commands, right? Obviously, you know, if, the only way you're going to get to heaven is if you love Jesus, if you can show that and live a life that shows that, right? So there you go. You have to open the Bible and you have to study it and you have to figure it out. And unfortunately, um, that's where you know that's where a lot of people get into trouble. I mean, it's it's a complex book, really. I mean, unfortunately, you know, it take you know some people you know, think that it's supposed to be super easy and straightforward. And to a large extent, it can be, but then there's certainly spots in there where you can kind of get mired down and you have to wade through and figure out what's going on. Yeah, I mean, there's no way around it. You said something a second ago. You said, unless you, you know, go to church and hear somebody say something and kind of internalize it. Actually, Sunday mornings, hold up, you know, somebody's going to like have a capillary burst here when when I say this, but <laughs> Sunday mornings can actually be like one of the most dangerous places out there, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It can make that into a sermon, dude, because Sunday mornings can be one of the worst places, period, for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and not because you're coming, you don't have good intentions on coming to worship and remember Jesus and remember his death and burial and resurrection like we're supposed to, um, but because people who are only people. We sometimes when we're looking to only be fed quote air quotes on Sunday by whatever said from whatever podium or assembly or video whatever mm-hmm. can be so misleading if it has no context, right? If it in the, the context and the kind of the rules and the boundaries are the word that we're reading, like straight out of the Bible. Right. But if if what you're basing your life on is what some person's going to tell you on Sundays, it could be a really, really destructive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, for a large extent, we could believe that headlong and then based our quote-unquote Christianity and our living for Jesus based on what we hear on Sunday. And there's there's a lot said on Sunday that's not really biblical that's in true. a lot of places. Yeah. yeah, and that can be super disheartening for um for newer Christians right that are a little bit more fragile um, in that, you know, they don't necessarily... I mean, people come into being a new Christian with a certain set of, um, you know, like, well, my wife, for example, when we were dating, um, she had some things that she didn't... She thought were really strange about what Christians <clears throat> believed. You know, she's like, well, you know, like, for example, where, where we worship, women don't preach, right? So... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, she was offended by that because, you know, in today's, you know, times and whatnot, that is, a, you know, that is strange that you would say, no, sorry, you know, it just doesn't work that way here. It's just not how we do it. Um, that was offensive to her. And so, um, you know, so when you have these sensibilities that are maybe a little bit higher and you're trying to get your arms around, you know, what does the Bible say? And what if I don't like what it says, but yet I still have to do it? People are grappling with that stuff. And then a preacher might come and say something that just sends them over the edge, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and so, because they might not be handling this new Christian with the same level of sensitivity when they're addressing a whole crowd, right? And so then you kind of go to that person if you know them and have a relationship with them and try and, in a sense, do damage control, you know, and help kind of, you know, say, okay, well, let's, you know, I know you probably took that, you know, uh, you know, a little bit hard. Let's talk about it. And so there's a lot of things that can be said um, unbiblically, you know, just or, you know, by mistake. Um, or just that a new person just has to have more time to get their arms around what that yeah. is. Perfect. I was 
as an example, I was thinking about passages of Scripture that, you know, come off as very hard and harsh and hard to deal with, maybe, again, in context of a Sunday, but not having um, any frame of reference from the Bible, um, spending any amount of time with it to kind of insulate you from that. You know, think think if you come into an assembly and someone says makes a statement about homosexuality, very big topic, huge topic, especially where we are, or any number of things, right? Well, one of my very best friends is a homosexual, right? So um, it would be very difficult to read or for somebody to spout off, you know, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 or something like that, having no real frame of reference. And I would probably be deeply offended, you know, by anybody saying anything about that because I would say, you know, what do you know? And that's not loving. Um, However, um, for all those things, and we've listed many, but for all those things, if the Bible and God's Word is the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through that way, you know, we accept that, you know. And we really appreciate the, the, the Savior who died for us and uh, making all those things possible, but still being the authority. Being dead to yourself, in a way, and giving your life over to Christ is, is really hard to do because, I mean... It, it, you know, right now, maybe more than ever in history, I don't know if that's really true or not, but it feels that way. Is it's more of a self-centered focus in people's lives right now. It's, you know, it's about me, me, me. <laughs> a lot of a lot of relationships fail because someone in the relationship is selfish and isn't able to compromise with their partner, right? And um, and so it's it's really hard to, you know, if you read something in the Bible and you don't like what it says, and if you don't think that it quite fits with your you know, your vision of how things work, then you kind of, you can ignore it and think that, well, you know, I'm going to interpret it this way, Mm -hmm. you know, and you might not even realize you're intentionally subverting the word, but you're just the way you're kind of wired. You might just filter that, you know, the lens you look through, you don't even realize you're doing it, but you're making it fit your worldview instead of looking at it objectively. And that's really easy to do. So it's like a discipline to go through the Bible and try and just let your preconceived notions go and just try and be open to it, you know. And it's hard. I mean, we've been, well, um, Danny, you came from a different background. I mean, I've been raised kind of, you know, in, in you know, uh, the same church background for my whole life. And so I know that my vision is definitely, like, from birth has been built this one way. Yeah. And so, and what are the chances out of, you know, the hundreds or tens of thousands, whatever, of different Christian denominations out there that, I happened to be born in the one that was like the most right. <laughs> Statistically, not very good, right? right? Right. So that to me scares me that I have to keep an open mind and not think that I'm right. What does Jesus say? What does he expect of me? Not what does my Christian brothers and sisters expect of me? What does the preacher think that I'm expected to do? Well, yeah, I'm not familiar with deal. any cultural exceptions in the Bible do this unless your culture says something different. Mm-hmm. I'm also not familiar with any denominational exemptions. Do this unless your creed says to do something else, then that's totally fine. Right. right. What I see in this verse is you live for him. So you follow what he said, and you do what he told you to do, and you try as best you can to walk in his footsteps and to follow his example. 
And we do that to varying degrees of success. We fail, we fall short all the time. But I think if you're living for him and not for your culture, not for your country, not for your denominational background, not for your parents, um, not for appearance, but for him, then I don't think the way is easy. I don't think the way is painless. But it becomes less about your ease and your pain. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because if you remember that he died for everyone, that his sacrifice covers everybody, and the free gift of God is given to everybody, that also has no exceptions. The gift of God is available to all who want it. And that was his life, wasn't it? Was to get as many people as he could to understand what that was, what that gift really entailed. And the the immense magnitude of that gift. So whatever your background is, whatever your culture is, whatever your you know religious upbringing is, whatever situation you might find yourself in, living for him means you're not living for any of those other things. You know, all of those other things will fall away. Once you decide, I need to live for him who died for me while I was still in sin and deserving of death. It kind of reframes that whole outlook, which is what, again, going back to the earlier verse, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And the life in him is infinitely richer and a lot deeper than I think a lot of people come to terms with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So that I, I certainly struggle with that all the time, is, is fully immersing my life in his, you know, fully submitting my will to his guidance and his instruction and his counsel. Because he died for me. That sacrifice was for me, just like it was for you, just like it was for everybody. So that sort of draws me back and out of that sort of, you know, cultural, denominational point of view. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and tries, I think, tries to line me up with the scriptural point of view. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to a couple of verses later in verse 17. Uh, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're when you're, when you're changed to be in Christ, you know, there's other verses, and I'm sure we could go down a lot of different rabbit holes if we wanted to, that talk about, um, you know, your old self is being dead, you know, the, the buried and kind of risen up a new creature kind of a thing, right? Um, figuratively speaking, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so, the old things are passed away and new things are come. You're a new creature. When you make that decision to follow Christ, you're becoming a new entity, a new being. Yeah. You have a new relationship. Yep. It's kind of powerful to think about. You know, you have a new start in life. Mm-hmm. You know, a new launching place. 
But all those old habits, all those old right. attitudes, they're still there. You, you carry your bags with you. You know what I mean? Right. No, absolutely. Even though you're that new creation. <clears throat> And you get, like you said, a completely fresh start in the sight of God. Yeah. And that's not, that also is not optional. You become a new creation. And God sees you in a completely different way than he did before. Mm-hmm. So you have to, this is when you have to start to get your life in line. Yeah, there you go. Well, and the reason you have to get yourself in line, well, I mean, there's several reasons. But one reason, in addition, is even verse 20, just a little bit farther down. And where it says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, mm-hmm. as though God were making an appeal through us. So, you know, we're a new creature. Now we're, you know, we're, our, our life is being lived um, to reflect Christ's character, yeah. you know, in us, right? We're supposed to be like him, reflect that. And so, you know, we've got a lot of baggage that we got to figure out how to deal with, a lot of habits we need to change. And, um, and that is not easy. I mean, that's really hard. And unfortunately, you know, that's what we just have to deal with our whole lives is, you know, how to get through all that, right? I was thinking about what Daniel said a minute ago in passing. He was saying that, you know, when we do this and make this change, it's no longer about, um, you know, what country we're from or what family we're from or what religion we have tacked on to. And I thought about that, you know, on things like the 4th of July, we're extremely proud to be us three in this room, extremely proud to be Americans, so we'll slap on, like, red, white, and blue or something like that, you know, and uh, maybe on 9-11 or something like that, we do something similar. And uh, well, I'm just saying, I'm trying Daniel's to make a point. Shirt. Calm down, Daniel. You were wearing a black, blue, blue, red, white, and blue shirt. Wait a minute. But, <clears throat> but... Never forget you. But, but there you go. So we do all these things, and, you know, on, on some houses, you'll have, like... Welcome to the Robinsons. You know, you'll have, like, there will be something there whenever you come to the house, right? And, um, like, when we get to the point where we're that proud to be Christians, where that is the thing that we're most proud to say that we are and that we represent and that mm-hmm. we push it forward, when we get to that point, you know, it's at that point that we raise that above the other things. Like, I'm very proud to be Robinson because you're carrying the name on, you know, should be most proud to be a Christian over that, over living in this country and any other thing and other people about their countries, you know. Um, at some point, it's getting over that hump and being most proud of that and that being the most important thing and dropping the other stuff and letting that be secondary. Um, it's hard, but it's the key because all that stuff's holding us back, really, you know, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. They, they, um, each of those things have agendas of their own that kind of prioritize things above what Jesus has got going on. Yeah, definitely. Now you can calm down about the red, white, and blue. Thank you very much. Well, I did want to pivot the discussion a little bit because we finally get into something that I think is absolutely essential when you're talking about, you know, the plan of salvation and God's redemptive strategy, which is the end of this verse, which says... Him who died for them and rose again. The resurrection, which we haven't really talked much about yet. But the resurrection is where all the power is. That's where, that's what you hang your hat on when it comes time to decide, are you going to really believe what this man had to say and why should I do that? Because he died. 
And then he rose again. (laughs) So the power of the resurrection is the promise. You know, that's the promise of the new life, the life that's going to be eternal. That's why God can make that gift of eternal life, is because Christ died and rose again. I mean, if that didn't happen, there there would be no gospel, right? Right. I mean, it would have been untrue. Well, what did Paul say? If if he hadn't risen again, we're fools. Right, yeah. You know, then we're we're wasting our breath. Right. Everything hinges on that fact. Right. Well, that's also, I mean, it's funny because, you know, we always... um, when we do the the communion, remember the you know Jesus dying on the cross and all that, you know it always seems like a funeral service in a way. You know, <laughs> whenever we do that, and um, and really it's the fulfillment of prophecy that happened. Mm-hmm. Like that's exactly what God wanted or planned to happen, and Jesus executed it flawlessly. I mean, yeah, He wished that it didn't have to be that way. He prayed sure. that it didn't yeah. have to be that Definitely. way. But um, the fact that it did happen exactly how God said it was going to happen, um, I mean, to me, that's a cause for celebration, that God's promise is fulfilled and that, and that our hope has been restored. So it's not necessarily like a funeral kind of <laughs> mentality when we go through the Lord's Supper. It should, be, it should just be, you know, wow, you know, the door's opened up for us now because of this. And that's just a beautiful thing because he rose again. Should we elaborate on Lord's Supper? I don't know. We could have some listeners who are like, Lord's Supper. Yeah, what's the Lord's Supper? Got that? Go ahead, take it. You have Lord's Supper. Well, Julie. Yeah, explain it. Lord's I don't know Supper. what it is. <laughs> well, <laughs> just you, you just said we went through it on Sunday. <laughs> I read about it somewhere. <laughs> well, we're in Corinthians. So um, it is how Jesus has asked us to remember him. Mm-hmm. Um, in First Corinthians eleven twenty three, you know, we get this get this picture. It is um, uh, where they were in an upper room. You know, Jesus and his disciples, and he was talking to them about things to come. And and he said he started explaining to them um, what uh, what his body represented and his what his death represented, and. Um, and he kind of breaks it into components, you know, his body and his blood that was sacrificed, will be sacrificed for them, that will uh, eventually be the blood that will wash away our sins. Mm-hmm. So on Sundays, by example, uh, we meet and we gather around and we remember Jesus in the way that he asked us to remember him. Right. And um, that's Lord's Supper. Thanks for listening to Seeker. Find us at seekerpodcast.com. Check out our website to see our blog. Thank you, Suzanne, for writing us some awesome articles there. Thanks. Bye.